and thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thine heart, with all thy soul, with all thy might. And these words, which I commanded thee this day, shall be in thy heart, and thou shalt teach them diligently unto, unto thy children. That was Deuteronomy 6, 5 through 7a. Welcome back to another episode of Thinking Well Podcast. I'm Kyle. I'm Tom. And I'm Bryce. Hello, gentlemen. Hello. What's up, man? It's been a, a long week. Yeah, no kidding. I actually had the day off today, so it wasn't too bad. It's been a short week for it's been you. a short week for you, yeah. Must be nice. Good days, though? Good weeks? Yeah. Yeah. Good, man. Good. Not bad. Well, um, I won't spend too much time on you, gentlemen. I see you guys every week. Yeah. Um, we have three guests with us today, all women. It's first for us on uh, Thinking Well podcast. Go ahead and inter- introduce them, Tom. All right. So we have Aaron. Aaron, go ahead and introduce yourself. Hi, I'm Aaron Madsen. I have been a member here at Lake Worth Baptist Church for a few months now, and we've just really enjoyed getting to know the church family. Awesome. And then we have Mandy. Hi, everybody. I'm Mandy Herrera. I'm mom to three kiddos. We've been a member at the church here for about four years, I think. Okay. So, yeah. Awesome. And then we have Sarah. Hey, I am Sarah Coates. I have two kids, 10 and 6, and we've been here for about... Seven years, I believe. Seven or eight, maybe. And Sarah is also Andrew's wife, our baby deacon, who has been on the podcast before. That is true. That is true. It's it's crazy to hear, you know, how long you guys have been members. Yeah, it doesn't Um, feel like that long. Even even you, Aaron, it it feels like much longer than just a few months. Mm -hmm. It feels like much longer. Yeah, it does to me, too. Which yeah. is, a, is a blessing for the church to make you feel this much at home so quickly. Yeah. Yeah, I, I was just going to say that's super cool how like we all got this different time here, but we all still feel like family. It feels like we've known each other forever. Um, that's what it's all about. Yeah. All right. So we are here. We're going to talk about a an interesting topic, a controversial topic, I would say. Um, homeschooling. Um, And before we get started, I do want to say that this isn't about uh, trying to sway people one way or another. This is presenting different viewpoints, um, different advantages. Uh, You may even hear some disadvantages, Uh, but we want to kind of look at homeschooling, um, public schooling, what what would be the right decision? We're, we are in no way going to be able to dictate that for you or your family. But what we hope to do is just provide some insight on um, how you can make that decision. Um, and just kind of if you've never heard about homeschooling before and you're kind of like, well, what's it all about? To give some, uh, I don't know, some data points on it. And so uh, I myself am a product of partial homeschooling. Uh, I was homeschooled up until, gosh, well, we were on deputation as missionaries, so I was homeschooled that whole time. And in Germany, we actually homeschooled for like the first three years that we were there. And then the German government said, um, no, we're not going to allow that in Germany at all anymore. Uh, you have to put your kids in some kind of public school. Um, and so we started going to public school right around fifth grade. Um, so from fifth grade until I graduated from the ninth grade in Germany, I was in public school. Um, I will say that my homeschool experience, uh, was pretty good. Uh, my parents 
did very structured homeschooling. Like it was like we were in school every day. So like we had even like these things that mounted up against the wall that you pulled like the desk down from. And we had like times that we started school and times that we ended school for the day. It was, it was very structured. Um, but then when my parents got back, uh, they homeschooled my three youngest siblings. And that was kind of in my mind, it was like all over the place. Like they started at like 10 sometimes and sometimes they wouldn't do school for two days, but then they do school for six hours, like three other days. And it was like, <laughs> why couldn't I have gotten that schedule? <laughs> that's, that's not how it fair. Always is. Um, she was a guinea pig. Yeah, yeah, that's what it was. Well, that didn't work too well for them. Um, jokes on them. And then, uh, so I will say that one of my biggest concerns about homeschooling in general for myself was, uh, when when I came back to the States, uh, my German diploma, which is, doesn't make any sense to me, is more complicated in the ninth grade in Germany than it is here in the 12th grade in America, but yet no one in America wanted to recognize my German diploma. They said that I was short on credits to have the equivalent of a high school diploma. Uh, not that I've ever let that hold me back. But my three youngest siblings were actually able to get diplomas issued by my mom um, that are recognized by colleges. And I didn't even know that until like I started, we started kind of talking about this subject and I was kind of touching base with my mom to see how that all worked. And she was like, yeah, I was able, the laws in Illinois where um, they graduated allow her to um, sign a diploma and it's recognized by, I mean, most colleges in the United States, which is crazy to me, like that we've come that far. Right. Um, but I will say that's, that was my experience. I, while I put down on, and I, I don't know who's going to be listening to this, I'm not stupid. While I put down on job applications that I do have the equivalent of a high school diploma, I actually do not in the United States, but I do have a German diploma, so I'm going to call it a count. Um, but uh, it's definitely going to affect the way I look at you, Tom. I know. <laughs> I know. Um, I'm just hoping nobody from like where I work listens to it. Like, hey, well, and you're fired. You lied on your application. <laughs> I did not. It said equivalent, and it is equivalent in my mind. Um, so everyone that we, all the guests that we have here today uh, have varying degrees of involvement or experience with homeschooling. I think because it's, uh, Aaron's the closest to me. Um, Aaron, we will start with you. Just tell us a little about like um, how you kind of started on your homeschool journey, how that decision came about and uh, what kind of influenced that for you? Because um, you, you actually were a teacher for a while in, in a private school we had been talking previously. So um, go ahead and let us know like what the journey was for you. So my husband is active duty military, and that means that we travel every two to three years to a different um, state usually um, to, to live in. And so for us, teaching at home made sense because you could keep your curriculums consistent mm -hmm. and have um, flexibility over if you're traveling, you're not really limited. Um, and we actually do school year round. Um, so we kind of have like a six weeks on, two weeks off schedule where we can just take vacations or go explore, take like field trips and things like that when we want to, or mm -hmm. even just to go visit family. So we, and even the hot, hot, summer months of Texas, we can stay inside for quite a few hours and do school and then go out whenever we want and 
or you can even start later in the day and uh, let the kids enjoy the mornings that are a little cooler. So we kind of started our journey because we it made so much sense for our family just for a variety of reasons. But um, we have just really enjoyed being able to just disciple our kids like um, sure. one-on-one a lot and spend time with them and let them kind of... Um, we let them explore the areas of study that kind of interest them. And my, my children are six and eight, so they're pretty young. But we um, started probably like at two where we just had a lot of fun with learning. And that's the other fun thing you can do with homeschooling is is basically it's a lot of learning through play. And um, and a lot of daycares and such do that. Like mm-hmm. um, if, if you have your children in traditional school or like in starting that young. Um, so, yeah, we just sort of. Uh, kind of fell into that journey because of all of our circumstances and then just kind of have enjoyed the flexibility since we started. Okay. <clears throat> That's, I, I, I kind of like that concept, like the six weeks on, two weeks off. That mm-hmm. does really like open up so much that you're able to do because you're not waiting for like this three-month window. Exactly. And then it's the hottest months of the yes, year. So exactly. if you really wanted to go on vacation, like where are you going to go where exactly. it's not hot? Right. Um, well, you also get to take advantage of a lot of things that are, very less crowded when it's uh because everybody's in school so yeah. you can like even things like cruises or theme mm. parks or things like that like where traditionally they'd be pretty crowded during the school year or during the summertime you can kind of choose where you want to go and it actually works really well for international too because you can go to other and explore other um countries or other like and if you're in the states and you need to stay here you can uh, just you have a lot of flexibility with travel yeah that, that's awesome I I never sense. Thought of that. yeah yeah well, i like that a lot i wish i would have you know my parents would have done that that would have been awesome <laughs> <laughs> i guess a question that i have regarding that is do you think because you guys do a year round um, the time off is it equivalent to like a three month kind I don't of thing or really, do you think the I've kids will really graduate early? The math, I, Cause I think it's more of like what makes sense for, um, for us. But like we have it, we don't have a traditional start stop for like, we generally end around like for the school, like the school year, I guess you could say like the, the material, like for the year, we usually end that maybe like a month later than okay. the public schools or mm-hmm. private schools. Like, but then we kind of give ourselves a couple of weeks, you know, to travel and go see family. And then, and then we get back and started probably usually in July, kind of like the gotcha. hottest okay. month one yeah. in every state we've pretty much lived in is <laughs> July. And also the mosquito situation is usually awful. And so we're just like, Hey, we'll stay inside. And then we enjoy a break in September for around birthdays for, you know, a few people. And like, so I feel like it just gives you like flexibility to do what makes sense for your family and because you're not bound by the state's idea of what school is you really can have and a lot of schools are actually thinking about this as going to like a four-day school mm-hmm. week mm-hmm. and so a lot of a lot of homeschool curriculums are actually focused that way where you do enough you do the work for you know Monday through Thursday and then Fridays are kind of like a day where you go off and do field trips or you do like homeschool co-op meetups or or um, even sports or different things and that's another thing that you can do when you um, homeschool is there's so many resources, especially in Texas, for um, like the jujitsu's and like the different sports that you can do during the day while, okay. you know, while a lot of uh, and they and they catered to homeschool parents because of that or, you know, make it your library day or make it a day like there's so just extra resources that are available that um, that if your kids were in school, you may not be able to have time for because yeah. of, of, of your schedule for for work or, or such like that. And I'm blessed to be able to stay home with the kids 
you know, my husband is able to provide that way. And not, that doesn't work for every family. And we totally get that. And may, that may not work in the future for us, but we're just enjoying where the Lord has us right now. Yeah. Um, well, one of the things I think, and so my kids went to public school here in the States uh, their whole lives. One of the things I think that's always bothered me about uh, the American public school system is this, and I've never gotten it, and uh, Crystal has always been like, I don't understand why you don't get this, but like, I don't get the sports thing and like um, America's preoccupation with like, oh, your kids don't do any extracurriculars. Like, so uh, in my mind, I'm compare, I compare things to like Germany all the time. And I'm sorry, I know I haven't lived there for like 30 years, but I, I still, I still compare things. Um, like in Germany, when you went to school, you went to school from 7am to 1.30. And when you were done, that was it. Uh, you went home, you did your homework and there was no extracurriculars. They did not have school sports over there. They did not have school clubs over there. If you wanted to be a part of a sport or part of a club after school, then that was something that you paid for that people that, you know, organizations provided in the area, but it was not something that was part of your schooling. Like you went to school to learn. And when you were done for the day, you went home and you had like assignments that you had to finish and stuff like that. But school was for learning. Um, I think one of the things, the more I've like looked into this and the more I've studied it, which it's, it's too late for my kids, they've all graduated. Um, but uh, one of the things I really like about the, the homeschool um, method or, the, or the, the, the flexibility that it gives you is like there's no you don't have to push your kids to be in something like, oh, you need to be in sports because, you know, little Johnny over here is in sports and little Susie over here is in gymnastics. And no, you need to be in band. And, and I'm not saying that those are bad things. Don't get me wrong. Um, but I know a lot of American high school graduates that were really, really focused on sports when they were in high school and they cannot put a coherent sentence together on paper. It's not that they're dumb. They can speak just fine and they're plenty intelligent, but they like you read what they write and it looks like a first grader wrote it and it has the same misspelled words that a first grader has. And this these are high school graduates. It's like this this weird focus, especially when you get into smaller towns, it becomes, oh, well, yeah, uh, so Kenny, he can't really spell all that good, but we need him to play in the football game, so we're going to bump him up the next grade. And I'm not saying that that happens, like, largely in bigger cities, but I'm telling you right now, like, small towns, I've seen it multiple, multiple times. It probably happens more um, than you realize. And it's, it, that kind of thing was crazy to me where, from a homeschooling perspective, like, if your kid isn't interested in any of those sports things, then it's not a like, well, you have to do it because everybody else is doing it. What are you interested in? Um, and they kind of have that flexibility to say, well, I'd really like to play an instrument or I'd really like to learn, you know, this sport. And you can do that, but it's not this at the sacrifice of your education. Um, but uh, we will we'll definitely come back around to... Aaron, but um, Mandy, you have been doing this for about two years now. About um, two years. So kind of share with us why, the, the why of why you decided to, because what one of your kids did go to public school for a little bit, correct? Well, both boys. Both yes. boys? Okay. Mm -hmm. So, and then 
at some point you decided this kind of doesn't work for our family. Mm-hmm. Uh, kind of tell us about that journey and, and your experience so far. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So we're first generation homeschoolers. Uh, the kids went to school. My boys were in second and fifth grade when we pulled them out. Um, it's something that was on our hearts. I feel like after getting saved um, early in our marriage, we wanted to have kids. <clears throat> Excuse me. And uh, we waited to have kids for a bit. And once we started our family, it was something that we talked about, but we kind of didn't have the courage to do it, I think. We didn't know very many homeschoolers. Um, but so we would pray about it. <clears throat> Excuse me. Push it, push it to the side and kind of come back to it. Um, and it's something off and on throughout the years we talked about, but, uh, COVID kind of gave us a test run, right? So things kind of changed where we're doing virtual school, although that's a little different. Well, I would say a lot different than homeschool, actually homeschool's much more pleasant (laughs) (laughs) than virtual school. Was the virtual school still like really, really structured? Super structured and the zoom calls and things were hard to keep up with. The quality of learning was, you know, subpar. I think, you know, we're, we were all just winging it. Yeah. We had never lived through a pandemic before, um, but we got a little taste of it and we kind of prayed about it again. And we sent them back to school once lockdown was over and they got readjusted. But then we started feeling like this really big pull in our hearts. Like I, I, I believe it was a spirit pulling us that way uh, to homeschool because we felt like and it's no slight towards public school or anything like that. But we started to feel like this pressure, like we were dropping them off for a full-time job. Mm-hmm. They were getting mm-hmm. up at the same time my husband was getting up, 6.30 in the morning. And by the time I was able to get through both pickup lines at two different campuses, we were getting home at 4.30 when he was clocking out, right? So the kids are exhausted mm-hmm. and they're coming home with laptops and homework on the laptops and their lessons. We were learning that they were you know, viewing YouTube videos for the lessons and doing worksheets that kind of go along with it. And we still, I mean, to be honest, no judging, but we were kind of like, maybe we could, maybe we are qualified (laughs) (laughs) to take a stab at it. But no, really it was a real pull on our hearts. But the, the tipping point I think for us was, um, unfortunately and kind of unexpectedly, my, uh, dad got sick and passed away and thank you. And, uh, When he did, I think it was a big wake up call. And I'm thinking, what are we doing? Like life is so short. He was Mm. not very old and it just happened, you know, pretty quickly. It's something that was on our hearts. And as soon as that happened, we were like, let's just, let's just do it. Like I'm a, I'm a stay at home mom and I always have been. It's something that I really wanted to do. Uh, So it was a pretty easy transition for us. Um, And so that, that kind of sent us forward. We prayed about it. And the biggest thing that we did was we reached out to our church family and there are a lot of supportive, amazing friends here that were talking us through it. What are the benefits? What are the negatives? There are also benefits of, you know, fully grown adults that live through the homeschool um, process. So we were able to kind of pick their brains. Did you miss this? Did you miss that? What can we do? But I think the biggest impact for us was our church family and we felt like supported and we could get opinions that mattered and swayed our decision. And it felt like there's nothing more important than raising these kids that God has entrusted you with. Right. And kind of to what Aaron was saying to disciple these children one-on-one, it's, it's a pull on your heart. And I felt like we were just not at rest with dropping them off. And like I said, no offense to anybody that's doing that. It's just, I think that it was a call personally um, in our hearts. And, and uh, after that, it was kind of a wake up call. So we, we decided to do it. He passed away in August and then the end of September, we pulled him out and yeah. 
So any, and it's any been, regrets so far? No regrets. I mean, I, well, you know what? There's one regret, and I wish I had done it sooner. <laughs> Honestly, <laughs> that's the truth. I mean, you're going to have your bad days, your your mm-hmm. busy days. The kids might not want to stay in their seats, but they were going to have those days in public school. So I'm just glad that they're not getting in trouble for that, and that we're able oh, wow. to take the brain breaks when we need them and mm-hmm. reset. And it's it's amazing. What's what's your schedule like? You know, Erin gave us a kind of a walkthrough of hers. What about your, yours and your kids? Ours is more of a traditional summer break, uh, but we do a Monday through Thursday schedule and okay. we do our, we call them fun Fridays. So they're field trip Fridays, usually out to eat somewhere fun, like CC's pizza or something, but we do museums and things like that. Something that's learning, but, but it's our fun Friday. So we get our learning done during the week. So that's super cool. Yeah, that is that is really cool. Man. <laughs> I'm really jealous now. I'm that like, I'm like school school. now of like all the things that my, I could have been doing with my kids. My childhood oh, sucked. Um, <laughs> wow. Sorry, like mm-hmm. there's so many things going through mm-hmm. my brain right now. Um, what, what time do you start and stop? We're we start about nine. I wake them up, but we give them eight to nine to play outside we start our day outside as long as the weather's fine but even if it's raining we put rain boots <laughs> every day on. no matter what <laughs> i feel like it's a great way to get those wiggles out as soon as they get up and they eat breakfast uh we start about nine and we end usually around twelve thirty one, just depending wow. on how much we're doing sometimes it's earlier sometimes it's later but for the most part we're able to get it done with brain breaks that's <laughs> awesome that's awesome that is really so. awesome um so I'm guessing you guys have breakfast together and everything. Yes. Like how cool is that? And, and Aaron, y'all too. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's cool to be able to just like, so for a lot of families, I think it's come around the dinner table in the evening, mm-hmm. right? And yeah. recap your day and stuff yep. like that. But I mean, what a great opportunity to like get started with your kids in the day, because I know from like my kids going to public school, it was they're grabbing, uh, they got up late, they're grabbing a pop tart and they're, mm-hmm. they're heading to school. Right. Um, and then if they get into these extracurriculars, all of a sudden your your evening time at the dinner table is gone too, right? Because mm-hmm. they're off doing a sport or a band or you're you're packing up to go somewhere where they're doing a sport. Um, and like a lot of that uh, one-on-one time with your kids like gets lost in that where mm-hmm. I think it's it's really cool where you get to like, you could spend breakfast with them and mm-hmm. then like yeah. you don't necessarily spend the whole day together right because they go off and they do their things in their room once school is done but then you get to come back together at the end of the evening and like have dinner together and then sorry um that's just that's just super cool well i saw the look on your face when she described when she wraps up um, <laughs> so i i think i'm gonna tell you a secret that uh i, I might get a negative comment about but uh, a lot of school and I can tell you this as a teacher is babysitting where you are. There's not a lot of academic learning. And you know this if you went to school Mm -hmm. because how many times did they pull in the TV and you watched a video? Those were the best days. Yes. (laughs) Well, and and because we don't have traditional music class or PE Mm -hmm. class or you think about like the study halls that you sat Mm -hmm. in and did homework in. And what we do is I we start our day about like 8.30, something like that. Like sure. I try to get them to start earlier because I tell them the sooner you start, mm-hmm. the sooner we can be done. done. Yeah. And like, so we, and we do take breaks and like Cyrus goes out and plays basketball for, you know, 10 minutes to get his wiggles out like in between subjects is because he, yeah. he's mm-hmm. very, he's a very intense learner and like he'll get sore neck like from like intensely staring at whatever he's looking at. <laughs> and so I feel like in schools, if you are, if you have a good teacher, she is finding ways 
or he is finding ways to take breaks in the day um, because that's just absolutely what children need no matter Mm -hmm. what system that they're in. But the benefit of being at home is that they can do it in whatever style they want. They can craft, they can go outside, Mm -hmm. they can, you know, read a book for a while that's just on their own or or just have a conversation with a parent or a sibling or play. And so I think that is one benefit. But I I think one of the biggest reasons why a lot of parents are um, pulling their students out of school is because they're seeing that, especially during COVID, how much time was wasted mm-hmm. by doing just time filling stuff, oh, yeah. mm-hmm. worksheets Busy that work. are really unnecessary. And um, I think parents are also seeing that traditional testing, which has been proven to be a very inaccurate way of testing um, proficiency and knowledge in a subject or because what if you are an anxious test taker or whatever? Mm-hmm. And um, as and I was very dyslexic as a student and I did not have resources in the school I was in. But when you notice your children has learning disabilities and you're homeschooling them, you see it like right in your oh, face. Yeah, yeah. It's different than when a teacher comes to you and says, you know, I think your your student might be dyslexic because you're just like, oh, I'm sure it's fine. Like you're not thinking of it the way you are whenever it's in your face and like right. you're watching yeah. it in front of you. And so um, I, I will say that I do think that public schools and some private schools have any advantage is there's a lot more resources for those students um, because parents that are homeschooling have to go find them. Yeah. And they are out there, um, but they cost money and you have to pay for it out of pocket. So that is definitely a negative for um, parents that are homeschooling is that they definitely have a hard time finding those resources for those children that are struggling without having to go into their own pockets to pay for it because it's not traditionally paid for by the state um, yeah. like it is for if you're a public school yeah. or private school student. So point. that's something that I think that a lot of families that if they say if they're asking themselves if they could do it, if your child has special needs or if your child and some special needs can be cared for at home for sure, maybe even better so than in a school, mm-hmm. but like learning disabilities and such like that, the teachers are trained um, and they do have extra resources that they can direct children to that unfortunately aren't really available easily unless the parents go out and search for those. Absolutely. <clears throat> I, I did see... I did see the other day I was reading an article where there's a state that's talking about like giving mm-hmm. parents that homeschool like a tax credit or like an actual mm-hmm. like funding every year. I just saw yeah, a, mm-hmm. like there's a state that's like, but right. So th- mm-hmm. that's the <laughs> thing, right? The like if they start the helping pay if they for start it, helping they pay didn't for it, they're going to want to put their nose in yeah, it. Yeah, yes. yeah, exactly. That's the thing that most traditional parent, most traditional homeschool parents will tell you, uh-uh, like, yeah. because they're so nervous about the state sticking their nose into the tr- curriculum that they're teaching, mm-hmm. you know, because it's almost like they're saying, oh, well, we want, we want you to have this, this tax credit, but you know, so what are you teaching your students? Like what books are you using? Yeah. Oh, we really prefer you to use this curriculum, you know, we'll give you even a bigger credit or, yep. Yep. or yeah. whatever, or I'm yeah. so sorry, we can't give you this credit yeah. if it's to a religious based curriculum, you, you know, yeah. we, we, you know, it For just, it just, <clears throat> most traditional parents, the homeschool parents will tell you that they, they cringe when oh. they, when they hear that the state wants um, to stick their nose in it. But I can tell you that I have seen homeschooling done extra wrong in the sense mm-hmm. where parents are not teaching their children yeah. efficiently or, or, Forget traditional, like they are going, 
to the extreme where where the children do not know how to put a coherent sentence right. on paper or even write or their penmanship is 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 illegible like so like i i definitely think that not every parent that homeschools does it properly like and i wish i could say that across the board that that everybody's a dedicated parent but um whether it's because of their own lack of understanding of how to do it, or they're just, maybe it's their personal beliefs that like they want to, there's a term that's called unschooling your children. And it's, it's not a negative term in the sense that they're just, that, that movement is more about um, moving away from the way public schools Mm -hmm. do it. They're just saying like, we don't want to do it the way the public schools do it, but they are still traditionally teaching their students like, like reading, writing, arithmetic and, you know, extracurricular activities, but they don't want to do it in the same way that public schools do it. So I feel like I have seen fourth graders who couldn't read though. And to me, that is heartbreaking because Mm -hmm. not only does that give that a very bad light on, um, schooling, um, uh, homeschooling in general, but it also, um, leads into, uh, the children just not being prepared for for real life i mean in my mind my husband and i's job is to prepare our children for life you know and um i think that that's the best thing that we can do and are supposed to do but um so i i definitely think that that i wish that those parents that that don't take homeschooling um as seriously or maybe just aren't as equipped to do it um would get help and get resources because there are a lot available to them um a lot of people who say well where do i start like they, there are a lot of people who are willing to give them some guidance and such, but it's just heartbreaking to me that, um, that children that are homeschooled, um, sometimes are, um, very isolated, mm-hmm. which is also not good. And, um, and, and also, cause that's not needed. Like that's, that's so not needed in this day and age. There's so many homeschool co-ops, so many opportunities for meetups, even in just parks and hanging out with other children that I think is. Um, so when we talk about this, maybe some of the negatives of, of, of homeschooling, yeah. it, it will be when someone does it where they isolate their child or they neglect certain subjects or they neglect the extracurriculars that maybe that child would be really good at or interested in, um, uh, you know, and so, and just keeps them home just because they don't yeah. want to leave their home. <laughs> right. Right. Um, I, I would, there's actually something I was, I was also reading about, a a homeschooling movement in a, another state. Um, I will get to that shortly. I didn't want to skip over Sarah. Mm-hmm. So Sarah, <laughs> a full product, right, yes. of homeschooling K-12. from beginning to graduation. Um, so tell us a little bit about that and, like, your experience with it. And so and then your kids go to public school. Yes. Um, and what the, what the kind of decision was there, it's a good, bad, and different, just um, what, what, it, what it was like for you. So, yeah, I was homeschooled from kindergarten through high school. I'm the third of eight kids. Okay. Um, my mom homeschooled all eight of us. Wow. So she is a, a bit of a saint. Yeah. Um, so sh- their decision was like when it got time for my oldest sister to go to school, she just didn't want to part with, with her or with us for, okay. for that long of a day. So, and back then it was not, I mean, it's not even mainstream now, but like everybody knows someone who homeschools mm-hmm. probably. Um, it was not back then at all um so they were kind of a ship out of water like not not common not not a ton of resources um so yeah so we were homeschooled all the way she homeschooled all eight of us through kindergarten through high school um so graduated i have a diploma i think it came from mardell's okay and they signed it and 
that counts. But, but recognize, right? But recognize yeah, in the state of yeah. Texas. Um, I went to college in Maryland after we got married, and it, I don't remember having any problem with that. Um, Cause it's literally so just a certificate mm-hmm. paper from Mardell's mm-hmm. that they signed. I didn't want to have a graduation cause that's just my personality. Multiple of my siblings had different styles of graduations. Okay. I did not prefer well, that. See, that's kind of cool too mm-hmm. though, that you got like, okay, so maybe you're not the person yeah. that likes to walk in front of a whole bunch of people yeah. and have that done. Right. And so as you know, with, with homeschooling, you have that option. Um, wow. Eight kids homeschooled. <laughs> What, what was your schedule like? Impressive. So ours, we started pretty much like, like Mandy said, we started around nine o'clock in the morning and then we were done by about 12 or one. Cool. Um, and it was always the big threat. Like if you, if you don't pay attention, you have to do afternoon school and nobody wanted to do afternoon school. So that was a pretty, pretty good threat. Pretty good, easy threat for my mom is like, don't, don't, you have to do it after lunch and then you won't get to play. You want to get to do whatever. So what, it was a what, pretty. What do they call it in public school? Whenever you had to stay, was it night school or was what was it Saturday school? Yeah, something. Saturday yeah, school. can you imagine them taunting afternoon school? <laughs> that was just every day for us. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So, what kind of curriculum did y'all use back then? So we used multiple different okay thing um, things. We used a curriculum called Rod and Staff, which is kind of a Mennonite Amish curriculum. Okay. Um, for the younger, probably like elementary age, um, and then. Bob Jones and Becca for the older grades, but she we would do, um, yeah. she did not ever pick just one curriculum and buy everything from that one company. She would, um, just kind of put together what, what they wanted. My dad, um, was a biochemist. So the maths and science science classes books were very important to him. So he didn't want just like anything like super basic, um, but yeah, so it was just kind of a mishmash of a bunch okay. of things. She would find, you know, do it for a couple, a, ma- a certain math curriculum for a couple of years and then decide if she liked it or not. And then, which was kind of the nice thing about that. Man and I were mm-hmm. talking earlier, um, another super positive, which doesn't seem a positive when you're in it. And I know it stresses a lot of moms out. I have a lot of friends who homeschool and they're like, oh, my kids are in like three different grades. Well, that was super commonplace for us. We didn't know it would frustrate my mom because somebody would ask us, what grade are you in? I don't really know. <laughs> and she'd be like, you're in, you know, you're in, you're in third grade. You know, it's fine. Like, like we're fine. We're normal. Or- <laughs> um, but we, we would be in like second grade spelling or like fourth grade math, depending on, you know, mm-hmm. what you excelled in or what you struggled sure. in. And as long as there is an improvement, it may be a lot slower or it may just be, you know, you have to do spelling a little bit longer than, than the, you know, the year long. Yeah. And as long as there's a little bit of progression, that's fine. Like the child can learn slower in, you know, English or reading than they do in math or science. Is that still how you guys do it today? Yeah, for sure. Yeah, that's custom. the best part about it, really. Mm-hmm. I mean, that you can take whatever curriculum like and what because some of it's just the style of learning. Like yeah. we started with Abeka. I grew up in Abeka. I t- taught Abeka and uh, I went to Pensacola where they wrote Abeka. Like, yeah. so like that's I was all very I traditional. Yeah. And then when I started teaching, my son was bored in Abeka and he was mm. kind of grouchy about it. And I was like, wow, I don't know another way to do it. And so I looked into, um, from a fellow homeschool mom and she was like, she talked about Singapore math, which is just a lot of mental math and like the um very fascinating way and speaking as a dyslexic child it would have been a way better way to teach me 
than to try <laughs> to do it in the Abeka traditional memorization of all the facts way yep. because it's it's visual. And, mm-hmm. and when I mean, and not visual as in you're looking at numbers, it's visual as you're looking at objects. And I would have thrived under that as a student because even watching Cyrus go through it and now Alyssa, I'm just like, wow, I understand math a little bit better watching them do it. Huh. And so it just so we started doing the Singapore math. Uh, which is in a lot of different curriculums, that method, um, even Christian-based curriculums. And so I think that that, um, I'm glad that your mom was able to do that even back then when there was limited resources. Yeah. Because, I mean, there wasn't a lot to go from. And so uh, I think that that families that that just have that, and now there's a plethora of options, you know, for, um, and even some curriculums, like our spelling curriculum recommends not even teaching traditional spelling until the child's in, um, is like in second or third grade. And it's because they don't, they're, even though they use phonics, they just, they just recommend it because the child's abilities Mm. are, are more strong. And like, here we are trying to force kids to memorize words in first grade and second grade when really it comes pretty naturally once they know how to read and which you are working on in, in kindergarten and first and second grade. And so I was fascinated when I heard, I actually got to speak to the person who wrote the curriculum. Um, and she was like, she was like saying the benefits of waiting a little. And I was like, wow, that totally defies everything I was ever taught in college (laughs) about school. And I think that's the thing is learning that, that traditional is not always best for every child. Like yeah. some children thrive under memorization and some children don't. And what do you do? And I can tell you as a teacher, when you have 20 to 30 children, you have at least, at least three who are excelling at school that are waiting on everybody. And you have at least six or more that are struggling in school and everybody else is in the middle and you have to find a curriculum that works for everyone wow. in the room. Yeah. Think about how hard that is. And even in your eight, in your family of eight, Sarah, like that, your mom had to find what worked and that was such a beautiful way to do it mm-hmm. where she was able to like say, you know what, as long as there's improvement, you don't yeah. have to stress about what grade level you're right. in and you don't have in to that hold, subject. You don't have to hold back the child because they're, exactly. they're quote unquote failing that exactly. mm-hmm. failing one class. You and can it, just go <clears throat> at that class and impact and do their self esteem as well. Yeah. Cause I know my son and my daughter both talk to me a lot about like they're frustrated because they they call themselves names if they don't get something. And I'm like, you know what? All this test did was show us an area where we could we need a little extra work. Like you can see on your test that you literally missed just this style of problem. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Like you did you did excellent in every other style of problem. And when I passed out my test back to my students or to their parents, I could not have that conversation with each one of them. Yeah. Right. And and yet those poor pa- those poor children were like, I got a C or I got a D or I got a B, and they didn't quite know what to do with that information. And neither did parents. And so if I could go back, I would definitely go back to each parent and maybe like write a note at the top and say, listen, this is a style of problem. Look at what child, what your child missed. And a lot of parents are so busy that they never look at those test packets. They never look at yeah. what they're a lot of, because mm-hmm. everything's on MacBooks now or not, or, uh, or whatever books, the Chromebooks, mm-hmm. they don't have textbooks to look at anymore. So the parents, I, I had parents that in Virginia that were friends that they did not know what their children were learning at all. Even for homework, they did not know what their children were learning. There was no test prep. There was no like sitting quizzing your child for a spelling test the next week like there was when I was a child. I mean, so I was like, well, what is your kid learning? And she just couldn't tell me. And they were in fourth or fifth grade, wow. but they were coming home with like drawings of protests 
like in first mm-hmm. grade of like the project was a the 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 child was asked to draw a a a protest with posters like where the child's drawing had people little characters holding posters protesting something and like so that's whatever the topic was and this is virginia where where it was quite liberal in the in the school system and the parent was quite disturbed at at the fact that you know something that a child that young in first grade is and it wasn't violent protests it was peaceful they had taught Mm -hmm. that which was a very positive it's not a terrible lesson to learn on how to advocate for something you believe in but it wasn't it definitely wasn't like the pro-life march in dc that they were drawing and so that's why i guess it that that gave her pause and she now homeschools (laughs) a couple of her children so and i i I think something about that is very key right so i I know we're kind of skewing towards homeschooling in this conversation and i want to make sure that people understand that um it's what if, if your kids are in public school, it's what you invest in them when they're Absolutely. not at school, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yes. Um, you should be aware of what they're being taught. So like when my kids were in school, one of the things that I make, because of how we were raising them, right? We were raising them in church. They had youth group around them. Mm-hmm. They heard good gospel teaching every single week, three times a week, most of the time, and sometimes even more than that. Uh, we were having family devotions at night when, you know, when, this, when our schedule wasn't completely throwing that out, out of whack. Um, but I would say probably three nights a week at least we were and that's not including the Wednesday nights that they're already at church right we were having family devotions with them so that we were we were investing in them and when they when they saw something that like didn't make sense to them in school they would ask that question like hey like this is this is something that's in this textbook or this is something that my teacher is trying to teach us and I know that we don't agree with that as Christians. Um, what should I do about it? And one of the things that we were able then to do is like take them and talk to them about it and say, hey, these are things you're going to run into in life, right? Um, and these are this is how you handle this situation. And while you need to complete the work because you're going to be graded on it, it's not something that you have to believe in in order to accomplish that right mm-hmm. um so while I, I wouldn't say that you know public school is is the devil and everyone should keep their kids out of public school i will say that you have to just make sure that you're investing as much time in them as the school system is investing in them because the school system would love to indoctrinate your children trust me mm-hmm. um if, but I, one of the key things that both mandy and aaron said is having that discipleship time with them and you can have your kids in schools you know six seven eight hours a day in a public school and still have the time to disciple them and uh, do the things that you need to do in order as the verse that we read at the beginning uh, to bring them up and uh, invest these words that God has given us in the Bible in them. Um, so uh, Sarah, both of your kids are in public school, mm-hmm. right? Um, and I'm, I think I've heard like Andrew before talk about like stuff that they've ran in, run into um, that maybe um, y'all don't necessarily agree with already, right? Is that, yeah. is that true? Yeah. Um, so yeah, so they both go, they're in f- first and fifth grade. So both okay. in the same school for the last year. So <laughs> yeah, How sad. Very, I'm very sad about that. <laughs> <laughs> next year, next year drop off is not going to be fun. Oh, okay. Um, but they have already, and it's, it's funny, like it ended up being nothing, but the very first day of fifth grade, um, so I go through their backpacks every single day, even, cool. even Max's who's in fifth grade. And somebody asked me like, why don't you make them clean out their backpacks? Because I want to see their papers. That's good. Um, and depending on the teacher, they don't get something every day. Like, um, 
Olivia's teacher will send it all on Friday, but I'll get like every single worksheet that she does. And so I'll be able to see. So the very first day of school, Max came home with this paper that said, guess the gender. And it was a word search. Yeah, it was like a word search game. And the very top of it was like, so like big text, like guess the gender. And I was like, what? <laughs> in the world like, I'm very non-confrontational but I was like I will die oh. on this hill yeah. <laughs> like real. this will not happen <laughs> and then so I was like okay, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna freak out just like set it to the side threw away what you know didn't matter or whatever set it to the side and like he came through after he was playing and I was like this looks like a really fun game y'all played <laughs> what is it? <laughs> he's like, Oh, he's like, Oh, and he was telling me about it. He's like, and it was a boy. And I was like, I know, but what, what, what did, what is, what did you do in class? He's like, my teacher's going to have a baby. And I was like, Oh my gosh. Oh. <laughs> in today's climate, why would you do that? <laughs> why would you send home this favor? <laughs> so it was like a good six hours of me. Like, how am I going to call the school and like freak out on people? I don't know how to do that. <laughs> but That's I'm going funny. to because this is terrible. <laughs> um, but yeah, we've so that ended up being nothing. But it was like a whole couple hours of me super panicking on how mm. to handle something that big. What would have been that big? Um, so that ended up being nothing. But they've come home with like school, um, like friend issues. Um, Max specifically has had like I don't feel like the teachers being fair. Mm-hmm which also could be just a child's perspective or, you know, just a one-sided perspective. So we've had to deal with those kind of like conflict issues and how to, how to be respectful, but also how to, you know, stand up for yourself and like what is right and what's wrong and how do we stand up for ourselves when, you know, somebody is picking it on us, but there's no one around, you know, those kind of things. Um, So we've had to deal with like those kind of issues, but there hasn't been anything like go to the school and talk to the teacher about. Except for the gender thing, which I did not do. But when you think about today's climate, right? Like, oh, for sure. At some point, yeah, so, so that our is, kids in public schools right. are going to have to deal with this, right? Like, so right now they're dealing with it at like a friend level, right? Yeah. And they're like, well, my now my friend who is a girl now wants to be addressed as a boy, right. and um, so there's those kind of things that they're, that they're going to have to deal with. But I mean, it, when you look at where it's headed, right? Yeah. At yeah. some point biology is going to start changing, right? Right. Well, I mean, okay, let's 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 make sure we make that clear. Biology is not going to change the textbook how it's taught the in the textbook that it's yeah. taught out of, right? It eventually yeah. is going to start skewing towards this like very very liberal uh agenda very and I will yeah. say indoctrination, yeah. right? Um because I look at what my kids had to deal with in school and there were none. I mean, sure, they had a friend every now and then that does that, you know, was gay. Um, and then they weren't really friends with them that much anymore because it was a but that was because of the time we poured into them. Right. Like they knew that that wasn't right. And so if this person is going to make this kind of decision, I need to disassociate myself from them because that's not something that I can get on board with. It's not that I love them any less. It's just that I can't be they can be an acquaintance, but they can't be a close friend of mine. Um, so those were the kind of things they dealt with. Right. But now, like, 
our kids are going to be going to school in five and maybe less 10 years down the road. I, I would hope that it holds out that long. And we've got, you know, people like uh, Kyle and, and Bryce here who don't even have kids in school yet, but they're going to be going to school at some point. And if it's public school, all of a sudden now they can't say that, um, no, that's a, definitely a boy i know that that's a boy according to everything i've been taught my entire life that's a boy but they're not going to be able to say that right Mm -hmm. um and then they're gonna come under you know i'm not and when i use the word persecution i don't want people to think like i'm trying to steal the word persecution because nobody's going to get burned in a garden for a torchlight right um but they're going to come under some verbal and some some Definitely some opposition, some opposition. Yeah, yeah, yeah sure. that like you, you can't. Oh, you can't say that. So we're gonna have ki- our we're gonna have our kids as Christians in this culture that they their values and their morals put them in a minority, and we're seeing that shift already. And I would I would have to say that if if I had school age kids right now, I would probably be going out of my way to figure out how I could keep them out of public and private schools Uh, because we were talking a little bit before the podcast started that even private schools are not necessarily the route you want to go because even if you pick out and I'm doing air quotes here a quote unquote Christian private school right like I know kids that went to Christian private schools and they didn't turn out any better than most of the kids that came out of the public school system Um, and I'm not saying that's the standard across the board. Um, but the, I can, I can name two or three off the top of my head that came out of Christian academies, Baptist Christian academies, uh, that went down a completely different road. And that's just in my small, small friend group. Um, not friends anymore, but, um, those, those things happen. So, um, and I, I, I will say that we, we kind of gathered a whole, a whole bunch of uh, data and, and research coming into this. And it's interesting to see that since COVID, like there's been a rise in homeschooling, like people came out of it. And I, Mandy, I think mm-hmm. I thought your point was really good where we saw how uh, we'll call it institutionalized mm-hmm. learning, mm-hmm. like did this fallback method during COVID where we kind of the teachers and listen we we were dealing with what we were dealing with right i get it (laughs) we were doing the best that we could we were trying to figure out what was going on but like phoning it in right Right. like you're there but how do you fill up this 40 45 minutes worth of time right um and if you only have 15 minutes of actual curriculum to teach that means that the other 30 minutes of a 45 minute school hour are being dedicated to wrangling mm-hmm. and trying to squeeze in five minutes of knowledge in every 10 minutes of Johnny, sit down, Susie, stop doing that. Stop passing the note that way. Okay, class, pay attention. And so between those 10 minutes of getting everybody wrangled, you're teaching five minutes worth of education in a 45 minute span. Um, And then COVID comes along and teaches us that like, hey, without the kids to wrangle, we're 
only teaching like 15 minutes worth of class. So how do we fill up this time? And, and don't get me wrong. I know, I know some teachers that got really creative during that time. Right. And they engaged the kids and they did a really good job. Um, But but, I felt like we also saw a bunch of, and I don't, I don't really know how to explain it, but sticking with it for the sake of sticking with it. Like I'm going to do this thing that looks like learning, but it's, we know it's not, but we, we still have to do it anyway. Mm. So Max did online school and he had a Chromebook, which I think had a trackpad on it. And they, for handwriting, would use the trackpad with their finger. Mm-hmm. I was oh, like, that's no. not handwriting. It's not handwriting. Oh, <laughs> no, you're doing handwriting. I'm like, no, oh, you're not. Like, at least do it on a paper and hold it up. Like, yeah. but that was handwriting. I was like, that's not what we're doing. And his, I did feel like his school, we went to a different school, then they did pretty well with their, we actually did it for an additional year after they were allowed to go back just because we liked him being having him home and being oh. done at noon. Mm-hmm. Um, and I liked just seeing what what he was doing. Yeah. Um, but I was like, that's not handwriting to, to take your index finger on a trackpad on an, on a Chromebook. Where's your pencil? Yeah. So I think there was just a lot of like, we're doing it for the sake of doing it, but it's not effective, but at least we can say that we're doing it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And that, that was a lot concerning to us as like, I mean, he had, Max is very studious and he's just kind of like that mind anyway. So it worked well for him. But even then we were discussing and even Olivia was probably three or four and we're like that. We didn't think it would work as well with her to do it Mm -hmm. that way. Um, So it probably depends on the child, but yeah, there was a lot of, that's not really learning. We're just checking a box to say that we did handwriting. (laughs) We still have to get our funding for the year. So we're going to do school. Yes. Um, Well, that's what a lot of it was. You know, it was just me, those, me, those tax dollars. Right. So school has to be a certain period of time of day. Well, like we we have to have a certain amount of days. We got to be fair. It hit everyone like a bus. No one one was prepared for it. I'm not demonizing it. I'm just saying that some people handled it The teachers that did online school, bless their heart. Like they, a lot of them were really, really, really trying. I mean, and they were using already technology in their classrooms. So they were able to adapt it somewhat for for public school but my goodness they trying to engage that many children on zoom calls or whatever like they were constantly having to reshuffle and rethink it and think on their feet and um i they all deserve a gold medal like when when they did not get to be like whatever person of the year and the people that got to be persons of the year was like a joke we were like, how in the world did you not make teachers or nurses right. or yeah. doctors persons of the year during COVID? Sure. Wow. Yeah. yeah. Because they worked their tails literally to the bone to serve their children and to serve the patients in the hospitals that were all going through such a terrible t- experience. Well, they were with given COVID. like an impossible task. Exactly. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And you know. A disease that nobody knew what it you know, what it was doing and it was affecting everybody so much differently. And so, I mean, I feel like I don't want to, I don't want to make it seem like anybody in this room feels like they weren't trying. It was just, it's an, it's an impossible task oh, they were sure. given yeah, for sure. to try yeah. to engage that many students in a, in a loving environment way that you would, if you were in a classroom, yeah. especially because the younger students, there was like, I couldn't imagine like kindergartners, yes. first year of school, yeah. trying no to figure way. out, yeah. trying yeah. to figure yeah. out how to sit in a class. Well, even sit in a chair <laughs> right? Yeah. when a Much, lot of yeah. times in schools, they'll let the children sit on bouncy balls and, you know, mm-hmm. you know, exercise balls and different things for children with attention deficit. And that's a whole nother category was children with special needs and attention deficit disorder. And I mean, and I think if there's a way to turn this into 
with children with attention deficit in schools, I, I want to talk about that for a second, is homeschooling is such a unique way of teaching children that struggle with those things. Because especially boys, I can tell you as a teacher, when I was in the classroom, that they labeled a lot of boys specifically that were attention deficit that may not have been if they had had the opportunity for the breaks hmm. or or been given different ways of learning because they attention deficit disorder is something that is affects so many children in the Amer- in America compared to other countries not that maybe in those countries they don't have students that struggle with the attention deficit but maybe they just handle it differently but i feel like especially i think of high school students what did they what did they take out they took out gym and and i don't know about you guys but when i see gym now in public schools i see kids walking track yeah like i mm-hmm. see all of them just going in circles on the track field and that's just them trying to, to work out some of their wiggles. They're not running. They're not doing any of that. I mean, yeah, and no so, one's climbing a rope anymore. Exactly. Nobody <laughs> climbs a rope. Nobody does push-ups and sit-ups, you know, cause heaven forbid somebody strains something. Um, but I, I mean, they took out shop, you know, you know, mechanic, mechanic things. So, Working so in my heart, hands. like if I, if I were to send my life kid skills. to a school, it would be in a heartbeat if, if, if they would possibly put things like that back in. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, I think about Texas that seems to be doing really great, job um in their public schools with band and Mm -hmm. and and things like that i think some states are lacking in that like where they don't have really good music programs because they don't have the funding for it and they've lost the music teacher they've lost the art teachers and now a lot of things is done and so if i can shout out to anything for public school it's the art and and music and those kind of things are neat that that in homeschooling situation we don't get like if we want band you pay for a private tutor yeah you don't mm-hmm. get the orchestra experience. So that is a drawback. It, it, it is a serious drawback. I mean, and I know one of the things you wanted to discuss, Tom, was some of the things that are definitely a, a drawback for pu- yeah. for homeschooling or, or something that is is just not, it doesn't look traditional. I mean, like you don't get prom, you don't get homecoming and things right. like that. Although in Texas, there's quite a few proms <laughs> and, yeah. and yeah. things like that, which I thought there was kind are. of awesome. I was yeah. like, okay. So there well, are homeschool co-ops that are huge for basketball and huge for different sports. And I think that's amazing about Texas. Um, so any of you sh- who are listening that want fun homeschool life, come to Texas for that. But um, <laughs> because I, I have been to other states that just do come not, to Texas anyway. Just do not have that, you know? I mean, and so I think about Sarah's children who, if they continue in um, in public school, they will have opportunities for band and yeah. music and plays that are harder for our homeschool students mm-hmm. to do. They can be done. Like there are private theater groups and things like that, but it's paid for by your tax dollars to be able to do it in public school. Yeah. And so I don't think it's a reason that we would say to not do it, but I definitely feel like Mandy and I are at a disadvantage in that way because we don't have a way of giving our children like the band experience. Even if we were to teach our children whatever instrument they want, they're not going to be playing in a full-on band like like your brother right. does for sports. Yeah, yeah. Like right. that's a pretty neat experience. Yeah. And getting to lead that from a, from a podium and, and have the whole football stadium cheering the band on Mm -hmm. I think that's a pretty neat experience and um so I feel like there's definite things that in the homeschool community that uh that we have to supplement in different ways but um I was going to bring up the verse and I and you guys have probably heard it or thought about it but it's the Deuteronomy 11 
19, it says, and you shall teach your children speaking to th- speaking of them when thou sittest in thine house and when thou walkest by the way and when thou liest down and when those ri- when thou, thou risest up. Mm-hmm. I think, and that verse um, can be done in school traditionally yeah. or, or in a homeschool situation. Yep. The only difference is, is like Sarah's going to do it in the car line. Like, yeah, and it's that's when those conversations happen. Exactly. Yeah. Like yeah. you're going to have those conversations at home around the table or, or with your church family. Like when mm-hmm. you're here for Sunday for afternoon or, or whatever, I think that there's a misnomer in saying that that verse couldn't apply as, as well. Like you said, like yeah. you were able to do the discipleship. Mm-hmm. So I don't want parents to think that any homeschool parent is going to judge them and say that they can't find ways to do that discipleship because you two grew up in school, but you have a very tight knit family and your dad is very focused on discipleship. And so you right. can yeah. say for certain you were discipled and it wasn't like public school kept that from you. But um, I think in the homeschool situation, you just have different opportunities. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like we'll be listening to an audio book, you know, and, uh, and I'll pause it and be like, and ask them about it, you know, or we'll be reading a book together and be like, and, and you can do that in a public school situation, but you just have less opportunity because you don't have, um, the time in the day, yeah. unless you may be on a road trip in the summer, which I think is a great opportunity to throw those audiobooks in, in your CD player or on your, on your phone. And, and listen to the books that um, that maybe you grew up with that you you know love like you know Char- your Charlotte's Web and your mm-hmm. you know we just got we we just got done listening to um, the uh, some more of the C S Lewis um, like the Wine the Witch and the Wardrobe series okay. yeah. and so being six yeah. and eight like they're asking all sorts of questions about <laughs> about um, it was the the one after the Voyage of the Dawn Treader uh, can I escape it a silver chair. Yep. And so I had never grown up with that in, in being in a Christian school where my parents did not really do a lot of reading out loud to us or audiobooks weren't really a thing back then. But I feel like that um, that parents that traditionally homeschool or parents that, that don't, I feel like they're in their kids are in Christian schools or private schools. You just have to be intentional. And I think that's where your verse at the, the opening really puts a, a shining light on is is that discipleship is the is is our job mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. i mean one of the things that we kind of do that's fun in uh, homeschooling is we call it life skills 101 where we do things like laundry mm-hmm. and right. folding laundry Dishes. and you say you know what <laughs> you gotta learn how to do this it. is yeah. something yeah. you're doing for laundry right. i mean we got a ton of dirt <laughs> delivered to uh, our house for our back patio and we were filling up a giant pit and we were like all right let's get the shovels out after our school day was done we we're like hey this is life skills 101. Yeah. We're going to help build a yeah. patio, you know, you and you can't life do that. in if, I, if we were in school, we couldn't do that, you know, because there's so much that you're doing. And so I feel like in homeschooling situations, you turn life events into lessons mm-hmm. and you do that every mm-hmm. moment of every day. And if you're in, if care kid is in private school or public school, you can still do those things. You just do it differently. Yeah. And so like to me, I really don't think that there is a, um, that that the Lord has put us in homeschooling in this season of our life. Um, and like we were just talking about uh, a podcast that we had listened to where she was so good at explaining that, that there is no judgment because the Lord might call us to be homeschoolers yeah. um, you know, for now and then possibly send our children in. But I believe, I wish I got her name off the top of my head, but she made a really good point about um, not using the excuse that our children are going to be salt and light in the yeah. public schools. Mm-hmm. That was she point. made an extra good point and I wish I could give her credit for it right now. Um, but she 
made the point that that uh, our children are not developmentally ready to be salt and light necessarily because mm-hmm. they're they haven't had enough time to be um well one have the holy spirit really ingrained that um the scriptures into their mind to where they fully understand you know yeah. them and, and and such and i think that was a really great point did you get her name no i didn't i her first name is abby but her yeah. last for name mama. is not on the, on the yeah, the yeah. podcast is M for Mama yeah. though. Yeah. Uh, I, I, I will give mama. that shout yeah. out. Yeah, let's yeah. give her a really um, good, shout out to her. But it was really good. I, I, that, that was really good, I mm-hmm. thought. And I, I think one of the things that I think we could and I don't wanna I don't wanna cut anything off, but maybe for you and for your kids, maybe you're gonna have a kid that really excels in public mm-hmm. school mm-hmm. and they can handle it really well. Right. And maybe public school is the, is the correct route for them. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, but maybe you have a kid that kind of struggles in public school and it's not really, they, they, they don't, they don't learn well in that kind of setting. They don't learn well in that type of uh, traditional methodology. And maybe, you know, maybe you need to do a hybrid for your kids where you have one kid that goes to public school and one kid that you keep home. And if you're, if you're able to, that you keep home and, and teach it at home. Um, you're not doing a disservice to either one, but I th- one of the key things I think about homeschooling and public schooling is you can look at your child and you can make a decision as to what works for them. One mm-hmm. of the detriments, I think, of any public school, and this is German public school, this is across the board, any public school, is that it public school has the expectation that everyone at the same age is going to hit the same milestones at the same time from mm-hmm. a learning perspective. And we do our kids as a society such a disservice teaching in that way you look all the way back to the single room schoolhouses during colonial times and in uh, in western times and you look at how they were taught in a in a classroom setting but where you had multiple grades in the same room and the thing with that is and especially like sarah what you said that your mom did right like you can see that then that a a kid is kind of gravitating more towards the fourth grade level things Mm -hmm. and that the third grade level things aren't really interesting them as much because they're past that developmentally. Where as we get bigger as public schools and we split kids up into different grades and then our classroom sizes grow as well because let's face it, public schools are underfunded, our teachers are underpaid, and our curriculum we're literally buying the curriculum from the lowest bid, right? Right. Um, mm. It's it's whatever is the cheapest and does the minimum. Um, now, don't get me wrong. There are there are teachers that take that and pour into kids, and man, there are more of them than <laughs> we would even have time to acknowledge. But there are teachers in public schools that. And, and I would say most of them probably got into it with a passion for teaching children. And then in the grinder that I would call institutionalized schooling, some of that gets lost, right? right you just and get then it's just you're showing up for work every day and you're trying to get through. Because I'll say one thing, my son Ashton wanted to be a music teacher. And he went to school specifically for that for three years. And after three years, he wound up dropping out before his fourth year started because he realized the way that the um, kid, the way that the school system was turning 
that he would not be able to pour into individual children the way that he would want to. And because of that, he became completely disenfranchised with it and just like, I'm not going to do this because I'm not going to be able to give the type of focus and give the type of teaching that I would want to, to be effective. And I think the more we look at the liberal slant that our society is taking here in the United States, the more we're going to see that you have these really well-intentioned Christian school teachers that want to go to school and be able to be even as adults, right? That, that salt and light. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And now we're in a we're in a society that no longer allows them to be that right um which is it's horrible for them right because if that's why they got into it and now the, the their ability to do that continually constricts to where they can't even do that anymore and then and so the domino effect of that is more ki more people start pulling their kids out of public school right at a rate of 30 percent growth since covid uh, is one of the statistics that we found that was put out by a national uh, institute of study um, here in the United States. 30% growth since after COVID. Not, that's not even including the, the growth during COVID, right? Um, but as we pull more kids out, right, then less money gets allocated because, and then your class sizes have to grow because less people are being teachers. Because there's nothing that you can, you, because again, the teachers are getting disenfranchised because they can't pour into kids the way that they wanted to exactly. when they originally got into it. Yeah. And so as you continue to see the decline of the funds available and the decline of people wanting to get into it that are of a quality um, that maybe we were used to when all of us were growing up, right? Um, now all of a sudden you've got this school system that is failing because we didn't want to continue to invest in it the way that we should have. Um, but then there's this vicious cycle of we are not investing to it because they're not doing a good job and then they're not good in doing a good job because we're not investing in it. Um, Again, I'm not trying. Sorry, I'm being super negative on public school. I, I don't want to. I don't want it to like, seem like well, that because, I'm there, doing. because there are there are again there are a lot of teachers out there that are doing it every day, and I have nothing but admiration for them um, because the teachers that are really doing it to pour into them, and again, I would say most of them, um, they're fighting an uphill battle against yeah. a system that does not want to reward them accordingly, um, is constantly overworking and overloading them to where they can't pour into those individual students. I mean, you look at even 15, 20 years ago, you had class sizes that were pretty manageable. And now, especially in the Dallas-Fort Worth area, the way that we've grown exponentially, you're, you've got class sizes that are between like 25 and 30 to a class. Mm -hmm. I yeah. mean, how, how can you expect each one of those students to get from the teacher who is like, I mean, working 16 hour days, right? Just trying to keep up with the workload mm -hmm. and grading papers. And now they're having to teach two subjects because the, there's not enough for just the one subject. And, um, and they're also dealing with behavioral issues and lack yeah. of parental yeah. support in a, in a drastic way because of the way society is changing. Mm -hmm. And they're having to deal with things that they've never had to deal with before. And they did not sign up for this which is one of the reasons why uh, many teachers are leaving education. It is not the children. It is the situation that they're dealing with the parents yeah. and the administrators. But yeah. thinking about what uh, about homeschooling, though, um, because, Sarah, you went through it your whole mm -hmm. life, I, I really want to hear, and I think the listeners need to hear, 
anything that you could tell us about the negative? I mean, granted, this was several. It was a long time ago. It was a long time ago. I'm going to say it was a long time ago. I'll add a couple of things to that when you're done. I'm going to say, though, that I know for a fact that when, I mean, at my age, homeschoolers were weird um, because they dress different. They talk different. They look different. And um, now you can't hardly tell a homeschool mm-hmm. child unless yeah. they're mm-hmm. maybe a little more confident verbally. Like I know my children are always do- doctors and nurses and, and people that meet them on this, you know, in town are always talking to me about how smart they are. And I'm just like, really? Like they just seem like regular <laughs> kids to me. But like because the, the they're just not used to children looking them in the eye and yeah. things like that the way my kids do. And so but I do not want to make it seem like. That there has all been, it's all roses and and unicorns for homeschooling because it's not. And so I I feel like because you grew up in it, you can give us your perspective on the negatives and things that you wish maybe had been done differently. Um, So I will say like now people find out I was homeschooled. They're like, you don't seem weird. And that makes my heart very happy. (laughs) You Um, don't seem weird. Andrew, both are great examples of homeschoolers. It inspired us. Yes, absolutely. Um, like I will say my personality is a little bit more introverted. So during the homeschool years, that kind of worked well for me. Um, I was talking to someone at one point they were their child was having to do like an, uh, in front of people thing oh, at sure, school like and they were having mm-hmm. a really hard time. And I was like, Oh yeah, I had to do a, an oral book report and I cried so much. Mm. She's like, Oh, how'd you get over it? And I was like, well, I was homeschooled. It was literally my mom sitting there, mm. but I still cried a lot. Cause yeah. that was like. I would not have done well in a group setting. <laughs> um, but so for that, it it worked well for me. Um, but I do I do know what you're talking about when you say like most of the homeschoolers of before were odd. Mm-hmm. Um, I think partly because, so I graduated in 2003. So is that 20 years ago? I graduated 20 years I know. ago. You just told everybody. You oh, my gosh. That's right. What did I just did that math. Um, so I graduated 20 years ago. Um, and so it wasn't. And it's, but you know, 12 years before that is, you know, when I started kindergarten. And it, it was not mainstream at all. And it's not mainstream now, but at least it's more heard of. And so I think back then, mostly the people who were homeschooling were homeschooling for very conservative religious reasons. Mm-hmm. Not so much... Um, yes, anti-public school, like maybe, um, I mean, my kids go to public school and I'm even hesitant, um, but like very much your identity was in homeschooling, if that makes sense. Oh yeah. Um, so I think that kind of adds on to the weird, uh, weird a little bit. It was already, you know, not really mainstream Christian, but a lot more to the more conservative of that, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. Um, so that's probably where a lot of the, the weird came in. Um, like the easiest way to describe like how we, we were raised is the, the show of the Duggars. Mm-hmm. Um, that's like how we looked to the dress, the jean dresses, all that. <laughs> um, so we did, we did have a, a, you know, we, we stood out when we went places and we were, you know, we didn't watch the same movies as, you know, so things like that. But also my kids, We'll also go through that because we don't watch the same movies mm-hmm. that a yeah. lot of people, yeah. even, right. even though I don't necessarily have that lifestyle now, my kids going to public school, there's still a difference between what they're allowed to do and what they're not allowed to do. Right. 
you talk to my son, every child in his class has a phone and he's the only one who doesn't. Yeah, I don't think that's true. I think that's just one. his, yeah. yeah it was that dramatic too. He told yeah. me. What grade yeah, is, I this? That is, is this? Is this fifth he's grade? In, <laughs> I wouldn't be surprised. I wouldn't yeah. either. And he's yeah. been saying that since about third grade. Um, oh, okay. Well, maybe, maybe. <laughs> so, but I, I wouldn't be surprised because I know a lot of them. I know a lot of them do. And even... Once he, you know, because it is something that we've talked about, you know, once he has extracurricular activities that maybe he's staying late for school at that we're not at, you know, that is something that we've talked about. But even even then, it's going to be a lot more locked down than probably Mm -hmm. a lot of his Mm -hmm. friends or a lot of his peers at school. So he's even going to experience some of that um, distance of like norm. So, yeah, I would say that the homeschoolers of before were probably odd. Mm-hmm. A little bit of oddballs. Um, but I don't think it has to be that way. Right. It does. That I, think, I think it's much easier in this society, especially in a, in a, it's in a lot a more, ex- it's a lot state. more accepted now yeah, than right. it was then. Yeah, too. It's becoming more mainstream than it, than it has been for sure. But, but 20 years ago, there were just such limited resources. And like you say, a lot of parents were doing it out of fear or because maybe they had grown up in a liberal in a liberal home and they were just extra trying not to be that way. Like they were like, we're going to be different. We're going to look different. We're going to talk different. And that can be taken to an extreme. And, um, and I know Sarah and I talked about indoctrination before where, um, where it's, you're using the opportunity of homeschooling your kid, your children to almost create uh, your own little, and it can be, it can look like a cult, yeah, really. Cultish. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It can be cultish. And so I feel like being, being at Lake Worth is so easy to not be that way mm-hmm. because we have the leadership as, with Pastor Zach that is so gospel centered and discipleship focused on, and just using the Bible as a guide. And he is not spouting his own ideals and he's not spouting his own preferences from the pulpit, which unfortunately, um, especially in, in the word fundamentalist, really got a bad name because of the Duggar situation and because of 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 the 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 hyper focused uh, attempts to stay out of the world got a little extreme in that yeah. case mm-hmm. and and those people who are familiar with the case understand all of the drawbacks to that could happen with that but the problem is is that you just have to be willing to have your brothers and sisters in Christ like I want to say call you out on things, but like yeah. if they were to see something that you, they, they were nervous about or they're like a little curious about, like you need to be flexible enough to allow your brother or sister in Christ to to talk to you about that. But I feel like if you're in a good church um, and you're tightly woven in to your church, that, that it is much less likely that that would ever happen. But I feel like the more you're by yourself, the more you're at home, the more mm-hmm. you're interpreting scripture for yourself and you're not really getting... Um, getting a different perspective occasionally, I feel like that is where things can go sideways pretty quickly. And I think too, like when it comes to indoctrination, like for sure the isolation can just, Mm -hmm. it can cause an echo chamber of this is, this is the only thing that we talk about. This is the only thing that we discuss. One thing, and I think that can happen too, even if you do homeschool or private school or public school. And I think the, 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 what we've seen a lot in private schools, we have friends who have, grown up in private school and um especially if you if it's a christian private school is you kind of feel safe mm-hmm. because oh they're going to chapel or it's yeah. a christian curriculum and so there's not as you feel like they're getting that discipleship and it's not 
as much at home as it right, is as much as it was as it else. should yeah, be exactly whereas the discipleship <laughs> is main is the main purpose of the home exactly even beyond church i think everybody should go to church and their kids should be in Sunday school but it's not the church's responsibility responsibility yes. yeah if that makes sense exactly but if you're one thing that andrew and i have specifically tried to do with our kids and whether we homeschool or private school or public school and it's i think where they go to school now is like the third major discussion of what are we going to do about school when he started kindergarten, I think during COVID and then when we moved um, and we're in a really good school district right mm-hmm. now and where we had lived before was not. Mm-hmm. So it was a bigger discussion and he was able to go to charter school. But anyway, um, we try to not so much tell him or tell her, mainly him because he's older, more um, Olivia is getting, you know, six where we can have these conversations now, but not so much. This is the way it is. And that's the way it is. But like, this is the decisions that mommy and daddy have made for mm-hmm. our family because, you know, God's put us in charge of our family. Um, what do you think of that? Mm-hmm. And kind of Absolutely. encourage him to be involved in that conversation. And as he grows older, he knows, and we've talked about our roles will shift to where he is more of the decision maker and we are more of a support because, you know, we're, we don't want him to turn 18 and be like, mm-hmm. okay, now you're making all the decisions where we've mm-hmm. made every yeah. single decision Absolutely. so far. Mm-hmm. Makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Well, and I, th- I think that's key from a, from a homeschooling perspective. One of the things you said of like, a, a shifting responsibility, right? One of the one of the drawbacks of of homeschooling in those situations is when the parents take over the discipleship to an extreme where it becomes a dictatorship, right? right. That's right. when you get into that kind of cult feeling. Um, you don't get to make any of the decisions. We're going to constantly tell you how you're going to, how you're going to feel, what you're going to believe. Uh, you will read the passages in the Bible with us the way that we read them, or or and you're not allowed to study on your own. And right. we're always going to study instead of giving that time to hey, um, how how is your Bible study going? And giving your kids time to do those kind of things in a homeschooling setting. Uh, one of the other. Uh, misconceptions because this has gotten it stuff that gets plucked out right like it there's a bad seed in every single thing that you can do for your kids um is those people that don't teach their kids so there's there's this whole area in i I won't say the state but where they they've pulled their kids out of school but they're also not teaching them like Mm -hmm. they're teaching them how to like hunt and take care of a house and things like that but like but they have the equivalent of an eighth grade education yeah and they're not they're not actually learning everything they're not learning math skills they're not learning language skills and it's it's not that it's not important to teach our kid how to kids how to survive in this world should society fall and collapse right which it it's not going to happen, y'all. Not, not while we're on the earth anyway. Um, oh, it's going to happen. But <laughs> just not while we're here. Um, I'm not going to be around to see it, but it's going to happen. But preparing them for this perceived inevitability that uh, society and culture as a whole is going to crash one day and um, book learning isn't going to be necessary for you. What you need to know how to do is live off the land and preparing them for that, but not preparing mm-hmm. them for like intellectual things. Yeah. Um and so, how to argue a discussion, how to yeah, have, kind of how to stand for your ground. Yes. Yeah. And, intellectually. Of, yeah. yeah. And, and there are those that are teaching their homeschooling that way. And then they're calling that an education. Um, 
But again, it's it's the same kind of dictatorship thing. Like they're shielding them from so many things and skewing. It's the it's the indoctrination thing of skewing their mentality towards a certain avenue that's determined by the parents, and it's not necessarily something that we see reflected in the scripture, right. because. The Bible does say to be in the world and not of it, right? Right. Yeah. And the key to that is, is that you're in the world. You can be out among society and still maintain um, your Christianity, your spirituality, and your faith. And you can do that in a public school setting. You can do that in a, in a homeschooled setting. What we should be equipping our kids for, period, is to be, at some point, salt and and light in whatever situation they're in. And again, maybe it's a good idea to keep them out of public school until they're second or third grade, right? And then they go into public school. Um, but we, we really do need to, whatever we're doing with our kids, we need to do it with intentionality. We need to do it and be sensitive to their need, to how they learn. And uh, if you don't, if both parents work and that just doesn't work for you, then what you're going to have to do, parents, is go the extra mile, take the extra step, and be intentional with how you spend time with your kids to where you're not relying on their Sunday school teachers to teach them about God mm -hmm. and to where you're not allowing their school to teach them about society, culture, and worldview. Because the only worldview that we should be teaching our children is that of a Christian worldview, and they will not get that in a public school. So if our so if your children are in a public school setting, just remember that like they are not getting a Christian worldview. And I would say you even, are responsible even for that. more intentionally because they are getting right. such you know I'm I'm a prop a proponent for exposing them to alternate ideas mm -hmm. carefully. Um, but at school, I don't know. I may know what the curriculum says, but I don't know exactly what the teacher's saying. And I don't know what their friends are saying at recess or at lunchtime. Yeah. Um, so having those intentional conversations, I would think is so much more important so that you do know and creating that relationship where they are comfortable with saying, hey, my friend is starts isn't looking like a boy now or you know have where, where they're comfortable saying that or my yeah. friend said he's gay. What does that mean? Or, you know what do I do now? It's such a, it's such a great point, right? Cause it's, it's being intentional because like at school, right. With their friends, probably primarily their friends, but in, in some school districts, it is the curriculum that they're being taught as well. Um, they, they are trying to indoctrinate. It, it's, it's, mm -hmm. it's what's happening, right? <clears throat> Excuse me. So if we're not intentionally on the home front, whether it's, I mean, whether it's public school, homeschool, private school, it didn't, didn't matter really. Um, it's our job, it's our objective as parents to, you know, I, I like the analogy that Zach uses all the time. It's, you know, your child is, is an arrow in a bow mm -hmm. and it, it's your job to point it in the right direction and let it go. Mm -hmm. And if you've done it right, it'll land fair and true. Right. Mm -hmm. And the idea is, and we, we talk about it all the time, right. And it's definitely been part of my testimony, but it's like at a certain point, your child will go from, hey, this is the faith of my parents to this is my faith. Mm -hmm. yeah. And I think that's every, every parent's objective is to get to that point where your child says, you know what, I believe this because I have found it to be true and I, this is my faith and that I can defend it to an extent. Um, not just because, you know, dad believed, mom believed, grandpappy believed this. Um, that's easy, right? But really, really getting into it and, and, and having a lasting effect 
is is them making it their own. Yeah. I think. I mean, I going back to what you were saying, Tom, I think another thing that parents, um, no matter what situation they're currently in, um, but they need to be prayerful about where the Lord yeah. might be calling them to do, whether it is to, if you homeschool, you know what, I do think it's time for you to put your child in school of some sort, if the Lord were to call you to that for some reason for a season. But, um, but I think I hear more parents that use the, um, it sounds harsh to call it an excuse, but I think if you get down to it, it is an excuse. And they say, um, I could never do that. I don't have the I patience that mm-hmm. yeah, for that. I hear that a lot. <laughs> and then Mandy and I, we were talking about that, you know, the other day with our homeschool co-op thing. And, and I think that um, one thing that I can assure you that I have not met many homeschool moms. I can't say I haven't met any, but I can't, I can say that I can tell you that all of them have said that they do not have the patience for it. There is no magical formula that has Mm -hmm. patience for a child who says, I hate school. Like our kids say they hate school just as much as public school or private school kids say they hate school, but they just don't realize how much different their schooling is (laughs) than public school. Like we try to show them when we get up like at six 37, you know, to say we're getting on an airplane. They're like, Hey, look kids, there's a school bus. You'd be on that right now if you were in the school. (laughs) And it's still dark outside. How do you think about that? So we try to joke about it, you know, and we don't want to tease in a negative way but we do try to we do know our kids and we do know that they would be like oh I really don't want to do that but I think that um, I feel like a lot of parents that really would love to do it but they say well I don't have enough patience therefore I can't do it Uh, you the Lord will equip you Mm -hmm. and just like Pastor Zach has said before and other pastors that follow scripture will say is that God has given you your children for that specifically to you yep and you are exactly the parent that, that they need. Mm-hmm. And, and you may feel very ill-equipped for the job based on how your children's behavior is or personalities are. But I believe that the Lord gives us our children not just to populate the planet, but to, dis- to, to teach us. They are our, they are, they are our um, tool that the Lord can use to teach us lessons just mm-hmm. like we were taught in school or by our parents is that our children are teaching us lessons every day, whether it's get on your knees for your, for your family, whether it's discipleship um, opportunities. I feel like that, that homeschooling, all it does is just gives you more face time for those lessons. And like, like Sarah said, you just have to be more intentional and it's so feasible to do. But I think a lot of parents miss those opportunities for discipleship because of how busy we pack our schedules. And that goes back to what you were saying earlier. And so maybe it's time for parents to number one, say, is the Lord calling me and my family to homeschool? Cause it's a husband wife situation. Mm -hmm. I see several single dads that are getting on our Facebook group for the Dallas Fort Worth area saying, I need to pull my child out of school, but I work and I work from home. How can I do it? Like they're asking for help. And so I feel like, this this state is in this area is extra kind and gracious and we offer as much help there's coaches literally that that are homeschool coaches that will teach you everything you could ever hope to know because some parents are intimidated to do it for high school you know i don't i didn't do well in algebra myself you know so i can't there is 101 opportunities for out you know different things um uh, like online programs for, for personal tutors via Zoom, especially in high school, or um, online courses where you can pause the video and get tutelage, you know, and get extra help. So I feel like parents that are neglecting the opportunity for homeschooling because they don't think that they are equipped, 
or they don't think. Um, and just like Mandy figured out, you know what? It's not rocket science. The, the school systems are run by professionals, but I can tell you as one of those professionals, um, I wasn't equipped to do every child in that classroom. Yeah. I had to get resources. I had to pull resources. I had to, to one-on-one talk with that parent, you know, like your child needs this specific um, help. So I feel like that you need to go both directions. If you're going to homeschool, private school or public school, you, um, the Lord can call you that to different seasons for different reasons. And so you just need to be open to what the Lord's calling you to and be obedient to it because we can neglect it just like you can neglect anything the Lord's calling you to do. And then you end up, um, out of his will, which the safest place to be is in his will. (laughs) So, um, even though it might be uncomfortable to homeschool, I can, I'm sure Sarah can attest. It's not comfortable to put your kid in public school either. Yeah. Like they have great days and terrible days and we had great days and terrible days homeschooling and I'm sure my mom questioned it just as much as I questioned public school. Mm -hmm. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So I feel like that's the biggest thing that Christians specifically need to do is ask the Lord, what am I being called to in this season of my life? And, and what is it going to be best for my children? And like uh, your hybrid situation where, where possibly your, one of your students goes off and does, you just have to know that and pray about it deeply and, and lean in and, and, um, and just get maybe multiple counselors. Like you have a lot of support in your church. Uh, get multiple counselors and um, find a church that has, if you're interested in, in homeschooling, find a church that has homeschool co-ops because basically what a homeschool co-op for those who aren't on, don't know what those are, it's basically just a group of parents that get together and they let their chil- their children hang out and play. And then there's usually directed lessons. And, um, and so there's so many opportunities for that. And there's even homeschool co-ops where the children are learning kind of in a more school traditional situation. And so you can get as, as, close to public school or private school as you want in the homeschool situation. There's hybrid situations where you can send your child to, off to school for a couple of days a week, keep them home for a couple of days a week, depending on your community. So really I feel like parents need to know what's out there, know what the options are and do the research and, and then they can make the best decision for their family. All right. I think it's a great way to wrap it up. So, so, so before we, before we wrap completely, uh, Calibrized, small kids. Yeah. Um. Yeah. What What kind of thought have you guys? I mean, Bryce just barely, 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 Real barely small, small kid, yeah. right? Um, but what, kid. what What kind of thoughts have you guys given to this? Like before we kind of close out for the evening. Oh, I'm terrified. Oh yeah. Of public school. Um. <laughs> it's It's been an interesting conversation. Um. Me myself, I you know was in public school from kindergarten to eighth grade, and then I did private school for four years. Graduated out out of a and I'm doing air quotes, Christian uh, high school, Baptist high school um, here down the road. Um, it was good in some areas, some years, and really bad in some areas in other years. But, um, you know, every, every school is going to be that way. Yeah. But, yeah, what I would say, you know, is there's, there's things that you can control and there's things you can't, right? When you talk about just family dynamics and, and you know, if, if both parents are able to or let me rephrase that. If both parents have to work, um, then, you know, I just, you need to surround, like Aaron said, you need to surround the whole thing in prayer and say, hey, is mm-hmm. this viable? Lord, are you calling me and my family to move in this direction? Um, but um, I think me and Haley have decided when when Addison, my three-year-old, you know, gets old enough that we're probably going to try to do homeschool first. 
Um, Haley's a stay-at-home mom, and um, we're we're very uh, lucky and blessed that uh, that you know was able to come to fruition. So before it wasn't really a, a possibility, but I, I think that um, with that scenario, I think we're going to try it because honestly, um, like I said before, public school kind of terrifies me, and I don't really if I have a say in it, um, I don't really want anything to do with it. Bryce, any thoughts on it at this point? Yeah, so so my little girl is, is two months now, and you know, so I still have about five years which which still scares me knowing that I have that long for things to progress the way they right. are than right. what exactly. they're going to be like in five years. What is things going to look yeah. like in five years? Um, but you I need mean, to assess year by year. <laughs> yeah, but but I mean, even now, I mean, you as a parent, you just start thinking about all the things you didn't think about before, and you know, that's definitely a conversation that we've had. Uh, I think we would like to homeschool if we can, but again, it's five years is a long time. Yeah. Mm-hmm. We have, we don't know what it's going to be like then. So right. you know, we have our hopes and our wants, but ultimately, like Aaron said, we're going to have to access year by year and yeah. and see where things are at. So if you'd like some resources about homeschooling, we will do the homework for you. And we have resources here at Lake Worth Baptist Church that will do the homework for you or at least point you in the right direction. You can get a hold of us at podcast at lakeworthbaptist.org. Uh, you can drop us a line on Facebook or Instagram at LWBC underscore publications. Uh, we'd love to hear from you. And even if you just have a, a story that you'd like to share about homeschooling or public school or uh, kind of what swayed you as a parent into the realm of of homeschooling or public schooling we'd love to hear from you for that as well uh, get a hold of us anytime uh, don't forget to like share and uh and follow the podcast the more you share the more people hear it and we just we'd love to be a resource for people uh thank you ladies for coming on it was a great discussion Absolutely. we appreciate you being fun. willing to uh come and talk to us about all this stuff it's i mean i learned so much too late but i learned so much <laughs> yeah. well, i learned everything i was i was public schooled my entire my entire life. So I had, I had no idea, you know, I'd never thought about homeschooling or, you know, what it was to be in homeschooling. And so I was very eye opening and definitely have Jenna listen to this episode for sure. Cause it's <laughs> like every, it's, every, every young parent or I mean, every crazy, parent should right? probably yeah. listen to something it's crazy like how this. much your, your mindset changes when you have kids yeah. versus yeah, when you didn't sure. and just kind of what you hold uh, to be valuable. But no, again, yeah. thank, thank you guys for coming on it. We really appreciate it. Um, it was definitely a, a great conversation. Hope to have more like this in the future. Mm-hmm. Um, would love to hear from you guys. Um, again, I say this every episode, but we'd love to have a like a mailbag episode where we uh, react to questions, answer questions, uh, but be a little more interactive with our listeners. Um, so definitely reach out um, everywhere Tom mentioned. We'd love to interact with you and, and minister to you in any way we can. Um, thank you again for listening to this podcast. Uh, thinking about podcast, we'll be back uh, for another episode next week. Stay safe. Everybody.